Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This week, Jack and Earl are bringing you to Terra Firma. It's the fifth episode of Star Trek Prodigy's first season. So I learned something on Twitter the other day. Well, welcome, Jack. Oh, yeah. So let's do let's do that. We're doing a, we're doing a show. What what are we doing a show about today? I think we are doing a show about Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, is it episode five of season one? That's what it is. Terror Firma. Yeah. <laughs> That's an accidental one. I've just been. I've. I apologize for leaping in. I just. I'm very. This is very alarming. This whole thing that I learned uh, on Twitter and then looked up to ver- and verified to be true. So I've learned that, that? Uh, you know, as you know, Star Trek was carried on Netflix outside of the United States, correct? I was vaguely aware of that. Yeah, yes, that's because you live in the United States, where it's available on CBS All Access, now become Paramount Plus. Yes, and that's that's how we know our Star Trek. Well, these services that I just mentioned are not available outside of the United States. You have to have, from my understanding of it, a United States uh, address and a United States uh, credit card or card mm-hmm. of some sort. So. Netflix has pulled Star Trek from its lineup, so Star Trek is no longer available on Netflix outside of this country, which means it's no longer available anywhere outside this country. So wait a minute. Who's responsible for the pulling? Is it Netflix that pulled it, or did CBS tell Netflix to pull it? Well, you can't yank away something that you don't have. What don't they have? Netflix doesn't have it. So well, whoever did the yanking is the one who still holds it, right? Because they yanked away the thing, which is the football that they yanked away, a la Lucy, upon all of the European Charlies. You Charlie know, and Lucy, who? who Charlie, what? you know, Charlie Brown, Lucy, Lucy, the. Uh, oh, okay, okay. And they yanked away the football. And the football is Star Trek. So the L- Lucy was CBS. Yes. Okay. So it wasn't that Netflix got mad at CBS and said, no, 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 boo, boo, we're not going to carry your show anymore. I don't think that's it. Um, it was at CBS something, they for whatever reason, they didn't want to be on Netflix anymore. I guess they want Star Trek all under one roof. But they yeah, should have then uh, opened up their service to Europe first. But yeah. maybe that was part of the contractual agreement. Apparently, it's going to be available at an undisclosed date in 2022. That's going to put them behind a significant amount in their viewing. It certainly seems that way. Unless it's January 1st, 2022, I mean, they're going to be more than a month behind. Well, they're already going to be more than a month behind by even January 1st. It's actually very upsetting that they basically just, like, just turned their backs on the majority of the planet. The unfortunate thing about Star Trek has always been that they, especially countries that they have to dub it for, they always receive stuff later than the country that it's released in. I mean, we get stuff from Japan, anime from Japan or manga from Japan that is a year old already or longer by the time it leaves Japan. Sure. I... I that makes sense, I think. Although in the day of the internet, especially with video media, you should be able to get it the day of release. Just like they were getting it. Sure. So, sure. I mean, that's 
kind of not fair. It is kind of tragic, actually. I guess on the good side, that means that by the time, uh, by the time people they're able to watch uh, all the new Star Treks, they'll have our companion show already made. Even if we're a little late, we'll still be on time <laughs> for like seventy-five percent of the world. So you know they'll come back. And there'll be a plethora of our companion show to every episode of Star Trek that, you know, has been produced since 2016. Uh, okay. Will that be great? Sure. So that's, yeah. that's the bright side. That's my high point for this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. And if you're ready, sir. Yes, sir. Let's walk through the episode. Like the like the opening of the show being up front, you know, the credits thing with no uh, no opening trailer. Oh right, which, yeah. which is funny because so here's the thing. So we are releasing this on uh, a week where we're also releasing uh, Star Trek Discovery season two episode seven, and in that episode, it's one where we had a long, long, long time before they showed the opening credits. Mm, okay, and I believe in that show. I said I enjoyed that very much as well. <laughs> so, I think I just like the Star Trek, no matter when it comes on the screen. <laughs> just, we'll go with that. So what do you think the globules of gelatin represent in the credits? You oh, think that's you, you, Murph? Yeah, you said it was Murph on that on that uh, first episode we were talking about it, and I've gone with that ever since. That's been what I, my decision is. It's okay. It's a representation, at least abstract, if not you know part of the story of Murph that became my headcanon. Sure, I think that the new warp effect is kind of cool. Even even the pre proto star proto warp. Sure. So this ship's warp. Uh, effect is sort of like a slipstream tunnel. Yeah. 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 Which might be a little bit more similar to what how warp might actually work. I think that's the idea, really, because I that's the whole that was the whole idea behind like not being able to catch up to a ship and warp with its own its own little pocket in subspace. So uh, that pocket of subspace whipping by you, I imagine, is what you know you would see inside of a tunnel. That's just my imagination kind of like the Einstein-Rosen bridge or a wormhole or whatever. That, that? that way. So we reconvene with the team uh, at a sunset on the Dreamcatcher planet, or Larry, if we want to call him that. <laughs> and uh, and we, in conversation, we, we set the stage. Uh, basically that everyone stole the ship and now we need to get it back to our stolen property. How do you figure that it was everyone stole the ship? Oh, well... So uh, Dal stole the ship. Everybody was yeah. with him on it. And then Gwen tried to steal the ship just now. From from Dal. From just in general. She just tried to steal it. Yeah. She just tried to leave with it. Like three times last episode. She tried to yeah. she tried to take off with the ship. So we agree we're all thieves. So let's go get our stolen our stolen stuff that's in storage over there. Yeah. Well, here's a question. Two things, just one quick side note. Uh Pog's nose looks like a Bajoran nose. Yeah, it's upturned pig nose, but the, the ridges on the... look When you see his face again, look at the ridges on his nose between his... So the Bajorans are, are far descended from pigs. Way, yeah, way like... back in their heritage. Oh, They okay. were once pigs. And that's all well, that really I remains mean, of their... At, at some point, we would have had to been uh, water breathing. Well, I mean, I guess that would be assuming that all life evolve in a similar pattern to ours. Humans are related to fish. 
Of course they are. Of course, we're, uh, far enough back, we're related to single cell organs. All living creatures on this planet are related to one another. <laughs> we are all sisters, brothers, and cousins, even though some of us yeah. eat one another. Oh. Really, it's just one of us eating the rest of the, you know, because we have mental problems. We're not the only ones with mental problems, but we do claim as if ours are the most important. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Zero identifies Gwen's injury as a compound fracture. And I just want to point out that it, I'll be a little bit brief on it because I took a little long last time. Last time? I have no idea. <laughs> Are you suggesting that maybe this is yet another time that Jack and Earl didn't push record? <laughs> Sure. Anyhow, a compound fracture is basically a, a broken bone that goes pokes through the skin. And there's no indication at all, not even a push out on her boot that indicates that the bone has gone through the skin. It doesn't need to be gory. I understand this is a kid's show, but it, there could be some indication of like something poking out at the edge of her skin. But also, she wouldn't be able to walk or even stand on it. Because it would just slide around on the inside and not take any weight at all. Because there's no support, right? Okay. Uh, while you are correct, it's it's it does seem a little grotesque, just to to get right to the the point of it. Like, it's a little much to put on a kids show. Like someone's bone yeah. poking through their skin. Uh huh. Unless they can magically heal themselves, and I mean. To a great extent, she can magically heal herself. She did brace for the journey by, yes. you know, yeah. mind melting her sword into yeah. a into a cuff of swords. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that was quite an injury. It's more like literally, like you said, bracing. It's a temporary cast. Yes, yes, much like a splint. Um, yeah, she's she definitely splinted. She just kind of braced it. Yeah, sure. And I liked how Rock pointed out. Well, she did say Murph. I mean, do you think it's possible for her not to have saved Murph? Like, so she's not her father. Not no. to not to jump too far ahead in the episode and to the very end. But well, she had the choice of like leaving Murph there to die while she leaves, yeah. or not leaving Murph there to die. Yeah. So why not bring? I guess we. Could, well, she's not selfish. I guess would Dal have saved Murph? Do you think? Would Dal have saved? Murph? Yes. If Dal were in the same situation that Gwen had been in, do you think Dal would have saved Good her? Good question. I don't know. He might not have. And do you think that Zero would have saved Murph? Yes. Do you think that uh, Rock Talk would have saved Murph? Definitely. Do you think the Pog would have saved Murph? Definitely not. <laughs> you don't think Pog would have saved Murph? Do you, did, no, probably not. <laughs> okay. He's barely interacted with him. So do we oh. think... Bob so, cares about is himself. What, he's the only oh, one wearing an, a life, uh, an EV suit. Just because he takes care of himself doesn't mean that he's not worried about everyone else. Has he indicated that yet? I guess not. I mean, he's he's stayed with them. I mean, where else would he go? But <laughs> found an opportunity to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. Maybe he's indicated that he's got to the Delta Quadrant by being on a sleeper ship. You know that he's mentioned uh, sleeper ship stew multiple times or generation ships do or something like that it was yeah it was a sleeper ship he did mention sleeper ship sleeper stew yep he um, did mention that and 
Dale is definitely uh, developing as a character here really quickly because I mean, he he just said make sure she doesn't slow us down, but he could have just said, well, just leave her. What, I think that well, I think that that's saying the same thing. Not quite. He could have specifically just said just leave her, and they just left her because if if they they could leave her and she wouldn't slow them down. How would they? How? How would she have slowed them down if she they just left her? And they wouldn't have slowed. She wouldn't have slowed them down at all. Exactly. So it it does it implies that you don't have to leave her behind. But if she, you know, we will leave her behind if she starts to slow down. <laughs> okay. But all it's right. it's a mild improvement. Let's call it that. We uh, we have discussed naming the planet mm-hmm. with whom Zero tried to communicate. And found what just found that they the planet was thinking about nothing but just eating, just consuming more. Yeah. And I, it is my belief that they hear the sound of the planet digesting the runaway. Okay. And then as the mountains are moving around, that's the 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 gut of the planet. So now we've also witnessed the planetary bowel movement. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Uh, yep. Does Zero always emit that much light? And we've just now noticing because we've only seen Zero in, in daylight. Honestly, level. when Zero was hiding from mm, Dalrock, I don't know why they weren't found based okay. on how much light Zero emits. Okay. Well, the I, I mean, I'm wondering if, if in this episode Zero is emitting, intentionally emitting light to help them see as like a flashlight. This could be true as well. Or to help I wonder them. how much light uh, if if a Medusan is able to change the level of the light that they emit. Mm-hmm. So Janeway defends the ship by turning it into the emergency uh, housekeeping hologram. Sure. Right? <laughs> is cleaning the ship and uh-huh. pulls out her Lysol wipes and uh, and the you know the weed clippers and yeah. cleans out the garden to get all the ivy off the and then you know use the power washer to get the remnants that was very creative i really liked that scene i thought that uh jamie was really working well on her feet there my only question is is does janeway slash the computer have multiple personality disorder no i think there are two separate computers and i think they're firewalled off from each other okay i think that the computer sees janeway as an outside an, another a, a separate entity from itself okay and i think that janeway has parts of the computer where kind of like a partitioned hard drive yes but i also think she's stored physically on a different drive so to speak so they not arguing with themselves themselves right it's a multiple i think there are multiple beings that we're talking about oh. here okay the the ship is is 10 kilometers away and remains 10 kilometers away even though they've been walking long enough to lose the light because remember as the episode started it was daybreak it was dawn the yeah. day was just starting and yeah. we have now been walking what appears to be all day however long a day is for this planet yeah i was just going to point out we don't know how long yeah. a day is yeah. on this planet. it could have been five minutes who knows kids can be impatient i know i was when i was a kid kind of yeah. impatient <laughs> now sometimes so the uh the planet is stalking its prey you know, just to keep up with the, you know, the same metaphor from last episode with the lures and the traps and, uh, you know, like a pitcher plant. So, yeah, the the prey, (laughs) the prey fights back by setting fires to the whole face of the planet. 
I'm just gonna burn the whole thing out. I thought that was a really cool and very inventive, creative idea that Gwen had. I mean, these are all plants. Yeah. You you know what happened with that is the okay. the uh, chemicals that were in those everything they burned went up into yeah. the clouds, and then it upset the clouds, and the clouds rained all that back down on them as acid rain. Like oh, a moment later. Okay, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Did the planet ever have smaller life forms, like a, a sentient life on it? Do you think? Or, I mean, it would have eaten them all. Well, by now, but I'm I'm wondering if something maybe uh, happened to to drive the desire to consume of the planet. Maybe something drove it crazy, or something happened that affected it in a way that. I mean, everything on the face of the planet came from it anyway. Yeah. Well, the plants and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the animals, like it all came from, from One it. of the things that occurs to me is that maybe there was a symbiosis that happened where the reproduction rate of the sentient life forms was just fast enough to sustain the population, but still be able. That's. Oh, 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 oh. I figured it out. Please. That's why. You bury your dead. You bury your dead so you can sacrifice the dead to the the living planet. And the you know, the, then there's enough life forms oh. that are underground that the planet just consumes. Oh and this is the so this is the, the, the sacred pact that we've made with the planet itself. Yeah. Like we will keep it nourished and it will keep us safe. Yes. Right? So oh, that's super interesting. As we start to die off and start to you know, bury less and less people. Oh, right. Um, so, so look, so, so like, say like climate change happens because we don't stop it. And then like a whole bunch of us die off. Uh huh. Right. All at one time. And it gets, it gets like real sated, but then like, there's not enough of us left for us to put in the ground or we, uh, we, we break some sort of, uh, natural rule and are able to like download ourselves into machines Oh, that, but I mean, I think we're already breaking some sort of natural law by over exceeding our uh, allotment of resources. Yeah, allotment of resources. Ability to help the planet recover from the damage we do to it. Yes, yes. I mean, if we left it alone, the planet would recover on itself, but not for long periods of time my friend it's it is my firm belief that the planet will recover from us sooner or later (laughs) with or without us right yeah i think the planet might prefer without us because it would just be easier like we just kind of get in the way of things Mm -hmm. so which which do you think fits better for the name of the planet then do you think uh larry larry or murder planet i like larry <laughs> I like Larry. It's funny how Larry is often used as a name that's just a generic throwaway name. I'm, you got to wonder how Larry feels about that. Larry probably enjoys it. You know, Larry's a, Larry's very uh, Larry's very safe for everyone. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, sure. The um, planet, uh, the planet, uh, the planet has dropped acid rain on us. The acid rain that apparently we caused. So we uh, we sit and talk for a minute just to like gather what has happened again because we'd like to sit and talk i don't know if you noticed with this crew we like to sit and chat like we have observation lounge uh, talks all the time i wonder yeah. if we'll use the observation lounge as an observation lounge and have some chats we usually do it on the bridge right <laughs> yeah 
So uh, it is then that we turn a little bit in the story where Gwen and Captain Arell have a little heart to heart, which yeah. made me think very much as did the end of uh, an episode of Discovery where we have where there's two of us standing in the the aft shuttle bay and the ship pulls away. No, I want to say it was no. I want to say it was actually Burnham and Volk. But in any case, I, I digress. Uh, just made me think of like the love story, the two people out in space, and you know, well, not really liking each other at first, and then becoming, you know. Yeah, uh, you mentioned something at some point in our conversation over the phone the other day about Farscape. Just the love story that I'm talking about. The love story, you know, the John Crichton Aaron Soon love story. The, the Burnham book love story, the, the Burnham book love oh, story. Oh, the other not human, human without yeah, any just makeup the, on. Just the out in space, you know, um, two adventurers kind of thing. You know, they don't they don't like each other oh, at first, you know. Like yeah. they're they're like enemies at first and then they become, you know, the best of the best of, of deepest, you know, friends and yada yada yada. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe and I story. really appreciate that about this episode, but the problem I have with that is we'll have to wait and see if oftentimes writers kind of forget about these things, especially on these, it seems like on this show and they might revert back to their previous uh, protagonism of each other. Oh, it's my, it's my fervent hope. Yeah. Antagonism. It's my fervent hope that they go back and forth between friends and not friends a couple of times. Well, a couple times, but I mean, this this event that's happening to Gwen right now is her dealing with the trauma of her father abandoning her and picking the ship over her. And that's going to weigh on her very heavily in her decisions in, in the future, I think. Oh, sure. And I think, I mean, maybe even uh, Dell might have a reminder of that. Some, maybe a couple times is, you know, we are sticking together. We've stuck with you and your father abandoned you. So maybe you you feel like maybe she'll eventually uh, show some of the selfishness that her uh, her father has engendered in her. Maybe a little bit. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I think we uh, it's going to skip way forward. But uh, so there was there was uh, where where had we been? We were we were discussing. Oh, we were talking about what it, what brought us to this point. Then the heart to heart, and then yep. uh, and then there was the part. Oh, so then that's the when my diviner comes into the story. Speaking of my diviner, he he comes into the story by saying, "Hey, we're here. Let's go beam down." And mm-hmm. the Dragnog apparently didn't hear him because uh-huh. he beamed down first and yeah. was there for like twenty minutes, like hanging out and like threaded, yeah, and like yeah. talking big whoop 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 whoop, right. Act yeah. like he was going to shoot people's daughters and John. <laughs> well, the the thing I liked about that is is stereotype. Usually in this kind of scenario, when that comes up, the other guy doesn't shoot the guy that says, "Then you're going to have to shoot me." And this time, they reversed it. He the he actually shot her. And I I kind of appreciated that they yeah. did something different for some. You know, this show did something different than yeah. what you normally expect because he's a truly truly bad bad guy well i mean he's definitely megatron in disguise yes robots in your mind <laughs> so, so i have a question though really quick the, yes. the ship they come across for for shelter from uh did you say the, ship did they come across come across 
Oh, because I shifted a Comicron was going to be the name of the episode. But anyway, move on. Let's go. I might have. You find it out. <laughs> and now you want to have said it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. It's a Klingon ship. How did a Klingon ship get to the Delta Quadrant? And not only that, but it looks like a bird of prey. Bird of prey, last time I checked, is not a sleeper ship. Uh, and the bird of prey is a little bit too new for like what seventy thousand years of travel. I mean, or seventy years of travel. I mean, yeah. There's there's just so many ways to get out to the Delta Quadrant. You know, you could I mean, you could I, pop I, in the yeah. bar's end wormhole and come out there. You know, if you if you time it right. You know, you can catch a quantum slip. You could pop in a slip, uh, one of the Borg slipstream tunnels. Yeah. You know, you could use Jordy's little slingshot wave thing, you know. The USS Essex did prove that uh, more than one Alpha Quadrant ship was picked up from there and went to the Delta Quadrant by the caretaker. So maybe... Well, the Equinox did. The, uh, the, the, uh, The Maquis ship did. The Voyager did. Yeah. A car didn't our Cardassian pop over there? Did a Cardassian pop over there? Did I make all that up? No, no, no Cardassian. Not that I know of. Oh, wouldn't that have been dope? Like Cardassian. the whole time they're being chased by a Cardassian ship, <laughs> the whole time back, and then at some point the Cardassian ship starts to break down, and they have to go and like save it, bring the Cardassian crew aboard, and then they show up, and nope. in the Federation with like a, a, a one third Cardassian crew. That might have been cool, you know. And it might have helped with the Seska story, but yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that would have made the Seska story. Oh, that would have made the Seska story very different because there would then there would have been <laughs> factions of Cardassians where like some of them were okay with the humans and some of them were not, uh-huh. and we didn't know which ones we could. Ooh, that would have deepened the intrigue <laughs> on that show because you know Garrick was our, always the most uh, the drawer of all the intrigue. Yeah, there was one point in the show. Yes, where. Zero was phasering at the big giant robot illusion. And uh, Zero, now she needs legs. Yeah, stabilize yourself if you're firing a phaser. Yeah, if you're just floating and you fire a phaser, you're going to like go spinning <laughs> off in the distance behind you. Yeah. Because that laser really, that, that phaser, phase energy rectification, just like it pushes you, it's got a force. You know, because sometimes, don't people get hit by phasers sometimes and like they fall backwards? As if I they've been hit so. by a solid force. Yeah. So, so there's that. I mean, some uh, fans from a long, long time ago in another galaxy, they say that uh, there's such a thing as uh, solid light. Okay. So there's that. There's solid <laughs> light. It's it's the uh, it's the mitochondrians. <laughs> it's what it is. The mitochondrians. Yeah, the mitochondrial DNAs. It's, <laughs> the uh, the planet looks like it was helping Gwen. Did it do that, or did I did I make that up? Was that all you know? In my head? I'm on the fence about that. It certainly <sighs> sometimes it seemed it, yeah it attacked Megatron a lot. So there's yeah agreed. What other evidence do you have that the planet was helping? Um, maybe it produced her as a hallucination for her daddy that maybe she wasn't as over by where her daddy was maybe that was a hallucination he wasn't the hallucination she was she was there no she was not the hallucination oh she was okay the ship was um, a hallucination it, it definitely it was the, the ship was what 
it made yeah it made the hallucinations because she saw him make the choice. Well, you're right. But when he stepped onto the ship, he wasn't actually stepping onto the ship. It, it he was stepping into the illusion, and RL yeah. was actually the one who was stepping onto the ship. I thought that was a great. Uh, I was very uh, confused for a moment what happened. It was still my like my third time through the episode when I realized uh-huh. oh when he thought he was walking over to the ship. That wasn't actually so. The planet actually pulled a moral, like play on him. Like the, the planet gave him the ship. Possibly. Yeah. Why did? Why was the planet interested in what it would do? What he would do? Because in the end, when the guy chose the ship, it took mm-hmm. it took the ship. It took him and his daughter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I still tried to take her, but maybe, right. yeah. And that's after it defended her oh. by pulling Dreadnought back. Maybe it was trying to trick both of them. I mean, why did she was her? definitely dragging herself along the ground, maybe towards the ship and thought it was her real ship. So it was just huh. already there, and he happened to beam down the wrong location. Uh, huh. Yeah. I mean, because otherwise the planet sure did figure out and realize the Diviner's greatest desires rather quickly. Well, I think it did that with everyone. I think that it, it produced that's that's and I think that's part of why I feel like the what the people were seeing was all hallucination because it, when it finally revealed to us at the end, it was just the divider was just like surrounded by is was it chitin? Chitin? Didn't they say it was was it chitin? What what was the, the material? Oh, I don't remember. Cilia? Was it psyllium? Yeah, psyllium. 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 Yeah, sorry about that. I think chitin is what your teeth and nails are made of. Um, keratin. Yes, that's keratin. That's yeah. Well, one of the things that he see says though when he first sees the ship is salvation. What do you think he means by that? Salvation from what? I don't from know. Home. But the ship. There's something about that ship that he feels like he needs. I mean, that might be an interesting thing. Maybe he's promised it to somebody else, and he's he knew it was there. They knew it was there, and he's like, "I will give you the ship for." one million dollars and they're like but i need some a loan first to get the ship to buy the planet that it's on and mine it until i can get you know so could he maybe need oh owe the ship to somebody else so okay so what's bounty i he had a whole planet full of chimerium and they said the chimerium could have bought a ship that's true or i mean it is the protostar it has the protostar drive system on it so there's yeah. that. I just thought it was very interesting his choice of words, salvation. Sure. I mean he's a very uh like spiritual religion sort of based guy. My designer. Yeah, I mean it's oh, sort, okay. he's sort of along that main, you know, like that's his thing is the the pomp of yada grandiose I am this and you are that. Yeah. Like he's very so dramatic. So, you know, salvation. Dude, you're just coming home from a day after work. And he's like, salvation. Yeah, yeah okay. Oh. One of the things I didn't understand is why did they lower Dal on a rope out of the shuttle bay? What's wrong with the transporter? What's why wrong with lowering the ship a little bit more? That's, well, I mean, we're trying to stay out of range of the tentacles. Or they could have gotten like five feet closer. Yeah. Like, I mean that those... and yes, your transporter question is a valid question as well. Yeah, that's a very valid but... question. Also, why not just use? I'm sure there's a holodeck in there somewhere. Couldn't you just use our rope? Remember our rope that's in the holodeck, and you just pull it out. 
you put the immobile emitter on the rope and you pull it out of the holodeck <laughs> and you have as much rope as you want. Yeah, sure. But that sword, that magic sword ex machina there that just pops out of nowhere and... Oh, you mean her mind-melting sword? Yeah. I mean mind-melting sword? <laughs> Melting. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, Hair-glowing little... sword? Forehead-glowing sword? I... Yeah, so that's a question that we're going to have to get answered at some point. Like, yeah. is she part Quajanian? What? What? Well, you know, like book. Oh, because okay. people have that forehead glowy thing. Is that sure. Thing? Yeah. We're into forehead. Except his his empathy was with uh, animal life. Yes, and hers is with hers is with hers liquid is metal. Good. She has a close Technology. connection to the Terminator. She has a real she. Uh, it, it's some form of uh, tech, technokinesis. Ooh, right for the title of the episode. Way to go. <laughs> wow, you pulled one out. That was a good word. Did I, I drop the mic? Technokinesis. Yes, you got it. That was I mean, that, wow. It came out of nowhere. You just came out of nowhere with that. Wow, technokinesis. Yes. So she has technokinesis. Is this a thing that like has been that you have read about in other places? Is that how? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's along the same lines as. Uh, I mean, telekinesis is the basic word. Sure. Yes. Thank you. For um. That. But there's uh, aquakinesis. There's oh. pyrokinesis. Oh. You can control there's, fire. Huh? You can control fire. Yeah, being able to control technology with your mind is. Would obviously you say that Magdino has ferrokinesis? Possibly ferrous kinesis, ferric. Yeah, ferric. that's why I would just you know make it a make it a prefix. It's called ferro, you know, ferrokinesis. Yeah. yeah. As in ferric, ferric, ferrous, iron-related metal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be a possibility of being able to call it that. I'm trying to figure out what, because technokinesis implies that that object is a technological device, but I just think it's a slab of metal. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to edge closer to what I like. Is it like metallokinesis or, or silver kinesis? Microbeads. Oh, it is. Everything's microbeads. That's what it is. She has microbeadnesis. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's something similar to mercury, but it's probably able to be programmed. Merkinesis. <laughs> well, you don't have to be too specific about it. It's a type or with technology. Mercuriesis sounds like something's wrong with my stomach. <laughs> well, I got mercuriesis. Yeah, I ate too much fish and now I have mercuriesis. I'm like neurosis. I got my mercurosis of the liver. <laughs> from, all that, from all that mercury I was eating. Sure. My liver's turned basically into one big piece of mercury. The uh, planet. It looks just like the planet. It's liquid. It's liquidated. <laughs> yes, it is. Woo, I tell you, every. Oh, sorry. Never mind. That's always a line. I think I crossed over it. So the di diviner appeared from nowhere after the protostars you know, warped away from the planet. <laughs> he pops out of nowhere, you know, like that, like the ship from, like the, like what was the Avenger, the Avenger, the Vengeance, in uh, in the Kelvin universe, in the JJ verse, um, uh, that popped in and followed Enterprise at warp. It's like the same kind uh, of deal. Like you can't follow a ship at warp. Oh right. Okay. So yeah, I get I get what you're getting. Yeah. At. What the heck? Heck, hell holds your horses. You, know, you can't be following us at warp. Yeah, that ship just appeared. That just 
up here don't know how do we catch up with themselves yeah and and in their warp bubble like because you have to pop into your own little warp bubble in subspace right and they're just like following them in anyway that's the other interesting thing that i've noticed about the warp effects of this show is they're almost making it look a little bit more like hyperspace than subspace like they're in a tube and certainly and voyager has shown like the Borg sphere can they they literally follow the Borg sphere in a in a uh, tube or a tunnel. Yeah, those are their subspace conduits. Transwarp conduits, sorry. Yeah, they're transwarp conduits. Yeah. So if Voyager can do it, why can't the protostar? Maybe the protostar is using transwarp conduits instead of They uh, certainly are still calling it warp though. Yeah, they just it, it, once you have transwarp it's basically just like and that's all you use. I just call it warp after a while. Yeah, possibly. You know, just like when you have a trans am, eventually you just call it am. It's my Pontiac am. <laughs> yeah, this is my am. The Pontiac am. So uh, you're just the best, I So then the, so this is when, so when diviners on our tail, it's when we we uh, we find we find we discover by examining, finally looking for it, and we engage the protostar drive because it's a baby star, baby star, a baby. Oh, it's gonna be so cute. <laughs> so, so we find the protostar drive, and this morphs the ship and sends us yeah. into a far deeper space than we were before, and very quickly and far faster than the whatever warp conduit we were in was taking us. Yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna have to find out next episode where what what happened, where they ended up, but they've gone where no one has gone before. Oh, uh, the other thing that the Diviner indicates that where uh, Salvation came from, that there might be somebody else that he owes this ship to or some bounty or something is he literally says, I had no choice. There's something deeper to the Diviner's desire for the ship's end. I just think it's the ship. Then why would he have no choice? I think there's a reason that he needs the ship that's greater than we know. Okay. But I don't think it's a personal and selfish reason. So let me ask you another question first, based on because we were just about to get there. Um, so they warp away with the protostar drive. Yes, they do. And uh, the diviner says something very quietly. She's gone. To which she is he referring? Yeah, that's a great question. That is a wonderful question, and I think that's intentionally the question. Because they often refer to ships as being she. Sure, and 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 my assumption would be the protostar. That would be that. I mean, that's my first thought because I know that I'm being led to she being, you know, Gwen. But she does make sense because like, he already left her for the ship. Clearly, yeah. the ship's more important. So if he yeah. is referring to Gwen, he's only referring to Gwen as being a member of that ship. Mm-hmm. And thus, she's gone. She took the ship with her. She's gone. Not like, mm-hmm. not like my little girl's gone. My yeah. progeny, yeah, is gone. Exactly. It's more like my 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 protostar is gone. Mm-hmm. Prodigy, protostar, so, uh, progeny. <laughs> As they warp away, they're already at. Attached by a tractor beam. How did the tractor beam? Not oh, that is a good point. <laughs> I, I forgot all about that. Yes, they were attached by tractor beam. Although apparently it's, it, it is a possibility to overwhelm a tractor. Yeah, beam. I mean, if you have the power of a star, 
I bet you can probably get out of a tractor beam. <laughs> yeah, so in that case, how did the front of the other ship not rip off? Oh. Uh, as they were pulling away. Or at least the tractor beam emitter start tailing down them and bouncing down the road. Right, 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 right. Just the emitters, though. Just the emitters are right behind them. They get, they get where they're going, and a bunch of emitters go flying past them. <laughs> like a chain being dragged by a pickup truck dragging a trailer. They got you. Some little cans. Just married. There you go. It's Quinn and Dowd. It's Captain Gwen RL. Just married. Congratulations. I'm sorry. I, or is it is it Captain um, Dal, my progeny? That's her last name, right? My progeny. Yeah. Gwen, my progeny. My, that makes me... I'm, I'm all stuck on AOL. I keep thinking of, like, Prodigy Home Internet. <laughs> is that is I old? Is that right? No. No. Is that, that like, just that because is. I used to get my internet from a CD for free? <laughs> <laughs> but I really did, though. No. Like, this is weird. Okay. Uh, I think we've. Uh, so here's the here's the unfortunate thing that I've discovered is that I had a source, a secret, super duper secret source for the titles of the upcoming episodes of Star Trek Prodigy, which is why I was able uh-huh. to deliver uh, at the end of Dreamcapture that we would be seeing Terror Firma. Well, uh-huh. that secret, super duper secret source, uh, it's called Wikipedia.org. Uh, it doesn't it it doesn't have upcoming titles anymore. So. This was a heavy heart that I leave you till the next episode, and we, we, I don't know it, I don't know, I don't know what we're walking into. But isn't that exciting? It's the unknown. That's what we're going to go into. Ooh. Yeah, we're, again, no one has gone before. I thought it interesting, speaking of that, I was able to read more of the credits this time. Because I switched over from the splash screen to the actual titles again, yes. fast yes. enough. Uh-huh. Near the end of the credits at uh, if you if you guys are watching when you rewatch the episode again 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 re- write this down and go back and find this time 23 minutes and 3 seconds oh, let's go Star do it now Prodigy theme encompasses where no man has gone before by Alexander Courage okay I didn't realize there was a theme called where no man has gone I before. don't think I was aware of that as well either I I thought Alexander Courage was the guy who wrote the, the original the, the theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have they now titled the Star Trek theme song "Where No One Has Gone Before"? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Oh well, we're gonna research that, and we're gonna come back and tell you guys next time when we uh-huh. uh, review Star Trek Prodigy season one, episode six, six, yes. six. This is the part where. Um, we talk about spacey things. Yeah. So I was watching today live that uh, tonight. It's Earl Science Corner. It's yeah. Earl Science Corner. Earl Science Corner. Here it is. So, so tonight at about ten thirty Pacific. Uh, one. It says seven o'clock Eastern. One one o'clock in the one thirty Eastern. You gotta count backward. You gotta add three hours, not one, subtract. One a.m. Yeah, because I'm slow like that. <laughs> anyway, um, apparently <laughs> we're gonna be wa- launching the uh, a probe, and I can't remember the name of it. 
but it's a probe that's going to go to an asteroid, a binary asteroid system. They, she called it. I would lie awake, Jesse. Did we do this movie once? <laughs> and they're going to impact in it to see what happens apparently to just by crashing into it if we can move it enough to have an effect now it's not an asteroid that will have uh, an, an effect on earth and if it would have had they promised us that they would tell us I hope they do why would they tell um, us what would be the point I'm just so we can have our, I have the last few moments of screaming agony, <laughs> abject terror. Just a few more moments. Would that be amusing well, for them? Would they enjoy NASA that? NASA pointed out that a lot of stuff that NASA has and does is with um, private backyard astronomers, and some of their all, almost everything on their network is free to access. <laughs> Okay, sure, absolutely. So people, even if NASA didn't tell people, other people would be telling people. People tell people. Um, the internet would know maybe before NASA would let it out for sure. Bunch of snitches. Nah, they're all right. Okay. I mean, the the news was uh, telling people about <laughs> this mysterious virus that's coming out of uh China before people were admitting that the virus. Some people were sick. Some people were getting sick. I remember before they even announced this virus. I remember people, strange cases of people being sick and they didn't know why what was going on. I remember this like shortly before. I could have like retconned it into my memory. Who knows? You know, and and certain people were lying about it, saying no, it's nothing. No, it's nothing. (laughs) Don't don't worry about it. Everything is fine while they're sitting on fire in the middle of a. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a little dark. Or, 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 or they obviously rolled a one on their attack. Oh, we okay. The, uh, are we Everything's gonna, fine. I'm fine. It's fine. We're gonna do. Our, we're gonna do uh, tabletop metaphors. I like it. <laughs> it's <laughs> Earl's tabletop metaphors. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. It's a new second segment of the show. All right. So on their deception check. <laughs> We're going to be apparently sending a probe out to uh, see what happens when we impact it. That's cool, man. Do you know how long it's going to take for the probes to get to the asteroid? Do the dual asteroid? I did not get that bit inf- bit of information when I was oh. watching uh, the thing. It, well, perhaps you should finish your scans and on... you can offer more than... I'm sorry. Well, to be continued. We'll I was see you channeling, next time. channeling my inner Burnham at that point. So rude. Oh, I think if it was if we were in Star Trek Discovery, that I would be Burnham and you would be Saru. Maybe I'd be Tilly. I don't think you talk that much. <laughs> well, yeah, true. <laughs> but and, and I, but I get nervous and and start to kind of talk more. <laughs> hey, what's, what? What the heck? Heck, hell holds her. There you go. You got it. And, and I'm more blonde than you are. Yeah, I remember I said I was Burnham. I'm not gonna be Tilly. Well, sure. I'm more blonde than Saru. Well, Saru just. Yes, Rude doesn't have hair. He has no hair. If he did, it would be blonde. You think? You know, if I he okay. So thinking of him with a blonde wig, it makes me think of the alien from uh, American Dad, the the small gray alien. Oh right, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. see, Tilly does Saru in a blonde wig makes me think of that alien okay. in a blonde yeah. wig. I think they're pretty much the same alien. <laughs> If not for the feet, they just have a foot difference. You and know, by the way, weird. you can mark off both NASA and American Dad for your bingo card today. 
I mean, there's been several episodes that hint about aliens that have abducted us in the past. Why don't they ever just straight up say, yeah, these are the great aliens from the Greys that have been abducting us back in the Oh, episode? Stargate did it. Stargate did it, but Star Trek refuses to. No, they did it. They did it. They did they did Quark was they did Quark was one of the aliens. Well, yeah, they certainly did that, but when when Janeway finds uh, Amelia Earhart in one of the early seasons of Voyager, they say they don't say anything about them being gray aliens with big eyes and bulbous heads. Yeah. This is true. They don't even know who. But well, ladies and gentlemen, that's basically our show. That's, Do you have anything else? I am. Uh, I got nothing else, man. It's time for you to say your thing. Yeah. Um, Stay positive. Dream big. Yeah. Look into the future and, and know that you're there and you matter and you are you and you're the only one that can be, so you better do it well. Stay positive, dream big, and we'll... You'll hear from us again soon. Hey, Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.